All right, so we're in this series called The Pursuit. We've been uh, looking at uh, this 12-week track that we've taken off of our discipleship website called PursueGod.org, and it's kind of the essentials of Christianity. And we're in week nine now, and we're talking about spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines. And so we, if, if, if just for a little recap or reminder, we've talked about what it looks like to follow Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to pursue God. And every relationship with God has to start with trusting in Jesus, believing that he died on the cross to save us from our sin. And that alone makes us right with God. And we always talk about it's faith plus nothing, Jesus plus nothing, no works. It's not, it's not a works-based salvation that we earn our way to God, that we do enough things and hopefully we do more good than we've done bad and, and, then, and then Jesus' death will apply to us. No, that is heresy, that is false teaching. It is by faith alone in Christ alone by his grace alone, because God gets the glory alone, all right? And so that's true for, no matter, for, for all of us, no matter who you are, if you've trusted in Jesus, no matter what your life looks like or what you've done in the past, when you die, you can go to heaven to be with Jesus. But what happens if you don't die and you're stuck here on this earth and you still are following the Lord? What are we supposed to do, okay? Like, do we just continue on in our old life and we've got this fire insurance now? We're not going to be burned anymore. We're not going to be burned in hell because we've been saved by Jesus, so I can just go back to my old life and do whatever I want to do. Is that, the, is that the reality? No. I think that's what a lot of religions that don't like Christianity kind of say about us is, is because of that free gift of being saved by Jesus' grace, they think that we think that we can just live however we want and do whatever we want and we have no purpose here on this earth and we live for ourselves, but certainly that is not the case um, at all. God did call us to actually do things, to work, to do good works even, um, and to glorify him. And, and so that's what spiritual disciplines and habits help us to do. And there's certainly a lot more things that the Bible says to do or, or things that Christians should follow or things that are going to help us grow our godly life. But we're going to just talk about five, five of them that we talk about often here at Alpine Church. It's kind of the, the big five, and here they are. It's prayer, Bible study, connection, which is, you know, gathering together at church, giving and mentoring, or I'll call that evangelism, sharing Jesus with other people, all right? So that's the big five, and here's our verse for the day. 1 Timothy 4.8, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, I think about this verse, and he says, this is my excuse for going to the gym. He says physical training is good, right? So I can go to the gym, right? It's not a bad thing to work out. And actually, I used to be kind of obsessed with working out, and uh, I, was, I was into bodybuilding. I actually uh, competed on a stage in my early 20s, you know, got into some weird little underwear and, and got all tanned up and oiled up. And, hey, that was before I was like a mature Christian, you know, but I was really obsessed with it. And, but one of the things about bodybuilding or lifting weights or strength training is that, you know, you got to have a solid foundation and it takes work, right? It takes work. It takes a plan. It takes 
um, um, exercise, and, and you've got to have uh, specific lifts that you're going to do in the gym if you want to have a balanced physique. If you want to have a, a, you know, if you don't want to be that guy that people say, that guy, you know, skipped leg day, you know, you got to do some squats, right? You got to do squats. You got to, so the three big lifts in the gym are squats, bench press, and deadlift. And so around those three lifts would, would my, my training regimen be based around. It was, it was either upper body, like arms, shoulders, chest, and then back and core or legs, right? So those are the three big things. And that reminds me of our, our big five spiritual disciplines. Now, there are a lot of other workouts to do other than those three workouts. And there are a lot of other spiritual disciplines out there. And I hope you will read the Bible and try to figure out what those are. But what Paul is saying to Timothy here is he's saying, yeah, physical training is good. You understand it. We, go, we train ourselves. We exercise. We're trying to grow, right? Whether it's in the gym or whether it's at work, we go through trainings, certain training, specific trainings to get more knowledge or information or to, to be a better worker, right? Recently, we had a, a safety training, how to, how to be better at safety in certain scenarios. We want to be prepared for when things come up, right? That's what the same thing not just in the physical life, but we need to be training in our spiritual life as well. So that's what our, our disciplines and habits, uh, that's the whole purpose of them. The spiritual disciplines, not just our physical disciplines. So let's get right into it. I want to talk about the first one, prayer. Obviously, you know, this is very, everybody knows about prayer in the world because whether in all kinds of different religions, people believe that you can somehow, you know, talk to God. And that's exactly what prayer is, okay? And so prayer for us is, is actually talking to God, building a relationship to, with him, venting to him. As if he's, he, we're in a relationship with the God of the universe. The Bible says that we can, we can pray. We can actually talk to God and, and go right into heaven, into his throne room, and, and he'll sit there and he'll listen to our requests. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. There's so much to talk about on prayer, but since I have five things, I can't dig extremely deep into it, but here's, here's what we're saying about prayer. Set some time apart for focused daily prayer, but also leave room for spontaneous prayer. Remember, Prayer is about aligning your will with God's, not the other way around. I think oftentimes we, we think of prayer as, as the, the wish list from Santa Claus, you know. We're like, like we teach our kids at a young age, make your list of all the things that you want, you know. And I think as, as we grow up to be adults, we think that God is like the cosmic Santa Claus and he's there to, to uh, you know, take our wish list and, and decide which one of those things that we can get. But really, the, the reality that we see in the Bible is prayer is about finding out what God wants from us and trying to ask God to change our hearts and our lives. And, and yes, we get to talk to him. And yes, we get to vent. And yes, he answers our prayers. But ultimately, I hope that our desires and our wants will start to align with his will and, start, and, and stop being about our own will. Let's look at... What Jesus did the night before he was crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was, he was this shows his, his humanity. Even though God was fully, or Jesus was fully God, he was also fully man. And he, he knew the suffering that was going to happen in the cross. And so Jesus is actually praying to the Father. And he says, Abba, Father, Jesus cried out, everything is possible for you. 
please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will, be, will to be done and not mine. How many of us pray a prayer like that, you know? Like we want something to happen in our lives. We want a sickness to go away in us or in a family member. You know, like recently my, my son was, my baby, the, the four-year-old, he was sick, or four-month-old, he was sick, and, and like I was praying and praying and praying, and I haven't actually got a lot of sleep over the last couple of days because he's been, you know, up every hour, a couple hours, and I'm praying to God, and I'm like, Lord, what could this possibly be for, you know? Why, 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 if, why won't you heal him, you know? Why won't you allow him to, 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 to get healthy again so, so that, first of all, he's protected, and second of all, so me and mom can get some sleep. But eventually, I start thinking about it like, well, maybe God is, like, preparing me for something. And, and I, I thought about it, and I thought, I've actually prayed more than I ever have in the past couple of nights, you know, over the la- than over the last probably six months. Because of a certain situation that God allowed in my life, you know, some would say maybe even causes some things, in those situations, all of a sudden my prayer life is like I'm talking to God often, not just my my daily routine, because I do have a daily routine and I pray to God in the mornings every single morning, but, but talking about those spontaneous prayer times, God, there are things that happen in life that, that God wants us to stop and, and trust him and fall on our knees and start praying. We're so caught up in, you know, thinking that we control everything in our own little world, in our universe, that we say, oh, I ain't got time to pray. I've got to control things. I've got to do things. But sometimes God is like testing our faith, say, well, why don't you ask me to do it? Why don't you drop on your knees and, and, and talk to me and, and, and pray to me, the, the one who is in control of everything? And so there's, there's all kinds of different prayers out there for different things. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start this spiritual warfare series, and I'm excited about that. And there's certain prayers to pray in spiritual warfare, in times where it feels like you're being attacked by the enemy. There's, there's certain ways to pray uh, for, for healing. There's certain ways to pray for uh, your love, loved ones and family members, and there's certain ways to pray devotionally every day. Um, and so prayer is a huge part of the Christian life. And if we're not praying, we're not talking to God. We're not telling him our wants and needs. We're not building that relationship that we need to. I follow this acronym when I pray. Uh, it's called P-R-A-Y. And it helps me kind of methodically walk through a prayer on my devotional times of prayer. And it stands for praise, repent, ask, and yield. And I almost do that almost every time in my routine prayer. And it helps me not go right to the asking portion of prayer. Like right to, God, give me, give me what I want. It helps me to stop and say, hey, God, I praise you for what you've done, for who you are, all the things that you've blessed me with. Because he deserves that. I shouldn't be like a child and go straight into my wish list with God, right? I, I, should, I should really give him the honor and glory. And I, I think a lot of these are exemplified in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the praise part. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Remember, we talked about prayer is about aligning our wills with God's will. 
So that's kind of the yielding part. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the the asking part. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. That's more of the repenting part. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You can see now the P-R-A-Y acronym isn't in the Bible. You can pray however you want. But this is certainly something that's been very helpful to me. Um, but I don't always do that. You know, I don't always have to follow. I'm not really a rule follower anyway. So if I feel like doing something else, I'm going to do something else. Maybe you're a rule follower and you have to have a systematic way um, every single time. Well, this is one that has certainly helped me. Now, let's move on then to the next one, Bible study. We should read the word devotionally like prayer every day and set aside special times for a deeper dive. If you're new to the Bible... I recommend starting with the book of John in the New Testament. It's the fourth book into the New Testament, probably, you know, two-thirds of the way through the Bible. Um, Don't just read the Bible for head head knowledge, but do it to meet Jesus and change your life. Now, studying the Bible is important for us because if if prayer is us talking to God, then the Bible is him talking to us. We believe that the Bible was his very inspired word. Uh, it's, not, it's not changing. It's without error. It's infallible. And so if we're not reading the Bible, then we're not listening to God. We're not understanding the will of God. You know, there's so many people out there that think they know what God is like. Where did they get those ideas? Like seriously, people are always saying, my God wouldn't do this, my God wouldn't do that, or my God is for this, and my God is for that. And, and you got to ask yourself, where did that person get that idea? Are they a person that reads the Bible every single day? Are they a person that really knows what God has said about a certain topic? Or are they just speaking from their own opinions, and their own ideas, their own feelings? That's what, sadly what happens often. We need the Bible to guide our lives and to teach us the truth about God and who he is. And we need to to examine the things that people say from stages like this at churches or if you watch YouTube and you listen to preachers and pastors. We've, We've got to be able to know the Bible so we can understand lies, so that we can point out the false teaching out there because there's a lot of opinions and a lot of ideas and we can easily get sucked into those if we don't know the word for ourselves. In Acts 17, Paul had just left um, the church of Thessalonica and he ends up in this place called Berea and he's preaching there. And here's what he says. He says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things are true. Isn't it amazing that You know, there's no one religion or organization that's like in control of the Bible anymore. It used to be that way. Back in the dark ages, they they didn't have their own Bibles and there were only certain holy people that could pull it out and read it to you, which was terrible. But in the Reformation, the printing press exploded and we got the first Bibles and people started saying, man, like... Some of these things that these guys were preaching and saying are wrong. I've got God's very words. Now we all can have a personal relationship with God and know him. And we don't need some kind of guy or priest or pope or pastor or whatever to tell us how to interpret God's word or to tell us what it says. We can now open it and read it for ourselves. And we need to be like these Bereans, examined to see if the things that we're hearing is true. Please go read the Bible. Today, 
you know, and, 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 and look up these verses, please. Look up, read the entire Bible, and, and please come tell me if, if I'm inaccurate. And I'm, I'm an imperfect person, and, and we're all imperfect, so, so we do interpret things wrong from time to time and occasion. But there are some main truths that we can't waver on. And so we need to have our own conviction, and it's through reading the Word of God. And I've, said it, I've heard it said before that, you know, we need that strengthening, the daily bread, you know, that prayer, that Jesus prayer, give us, our, give us our, this day our daily bread. And he's talking about food, but a lot of people will also say that the word of God is like our spiritual sustenance. It's, it's our food that we need for strength, for preparation to, to grow, just like physical food helps us grow and helps us um, um, be stronger and gives us more energy so will the spiritual food from the word of God. And so if all you ever hear are Bible verses on a Sunday, and it takes another seven days for you to come back to church and hear more Bible verses, then I've heard that it was said that uh, seven days without the Bible makes one week. Did you see what I did there? One week. Seven days. All right. Makes one week. <laughs> so we've got to understand, we've got to have our spiritual sustenance. Again, we're talking about these spiritual habits, these disciplines. I love what Paul says in Romans. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How could we know the will of God without the word of God? We need to understand the word of God to know the will of God. Otherwise, we're making up our own things and we're acting on our own wills and not his will. Remember, the will of God is what the Christian is seeking in his life. And all of these spiritual disciplines are helping us get there. Okay, third thing, connection. This is really fellowship. This is meeting with other believers. This is gathering together in church. This is small groups. This is one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Um, Christianity is, is a team sport. You can't honor God in isolation. God created the church so that we could grow. It's like the gym, right? It's like going to the gym and there's all these different things to do, places to serve, places to use my, my talents, my gifts, my abilities. And, and God created it that way. Last week we talked about how to grow in, in our godly lives. And, and we talked about the spirit God provided for us inside of us to help us grow to be more like Christ. The word of God helps us to know God's will for us, right? Like we just talked about. And then, but also the church. God didn't create people to be lone rangers out there to study the Bible and pray and never go be in a relationship with someone. God created the organization of the church so that you and I could grow up into maturity, so that we could hold each other accountable, so that we could have people that, that maybe are a little bit farther than us that can love on us and correct us and train us and rebuke us sometimes. I don't know where I would be if I didn't have men and women in my life from the church that spoke into my life. I, I don't know where I'd be. I don't think I'd be up here preaching or speaking or talking. I could possibly be dead, honestly. If I didn't have people that were, were uh, willing to, to come and say, hey, Eric, you're a Christian, but you're not really living like a Christian. You're not really following the word, or, or maybe you shouldn't go down that road. You know, like, 
we need that in our lives. And not just correction, but we also need encouragement. God built us for relationships, right? And, and that fellowship is something that we all long for and desire. And sadly, sometimes our own family members aren't in that fellowship. And they don't relate with us. We don't have God in common. Or we don't have the same God in common. We don't have the truth in common. And so again, the church is for us to have that fellowship. Acts 2.42, the most simplest form of church. When the church first started, this is what made up a church. There's four things. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the New Testament, the Bible. To the fellowship, that's gathering together. To the breaking of bread, which is eating together, but is also communion like we just did. And to prayer. Those four things. Four things make up a church. If you do those four things in a group of people, you are a church. Now, the church has grown beyond that now, and there are other things. You know, there is musical worship, and there is um, all kinds of different things that make up a church. But to be a church, you've at least got to do these four things. Open the Bible, hear public preaching and speaking and reading of the word. The fellowship, gathering together, encouraging one another, challenging one another, taking communion together. That is something that God wants us to do together. That thing that we just did is something that you don't go home and do alone. It's something that you do corporately. That's what God desires. And to pray together. Yes, we pray alone, but we also pray Together. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's hard to be a Christian and not meet with other Christians. God designed us so that we could be together and we could challenge one another, stir up one another to love and good works, so, so that we could get off our butts and go serve, not make up excuses like, I've heard people say this, and I know this will probably offend some people, but that's all right. People have said, you know, my church is in the mountains. You know, I'm like, well, that's good, but that's not really a church. It doesn't have those four things, you know. <laughs> like, my church is in the gym. My church is... On the golf course, like I've heard people say these things like as if they think that their church is some kind of solemn alone time, but church is about gathering together. The word commands us to not neglect meeting together, but to come together. It's hard to be a Christian and not be involved in fellowship. As a matter of fact, that's not what God designed Christians. They, and I know we all have different personalities and, you know, um, Things like the Myers-Briggs personality tests. You know, some are more introverted, some are more extroverted, and that's okay. All that really tells us is who we naturally are <laughs> and, and how we get rest. But we're supposed to push past the natural to the supernatural. Push past some of our struggles with being with people so that we can get all that God has provided us to have. And, and, and not only is it just so that we can all just come and be together and sit, sit here, you know, but he wants us to do something. The Bible says that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is called spiritual gifts. You've probably heard it before. This whole chapter, you should go read it. 
We've all been given a gift. If you've been saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have a unique talent and ability on top of who God created you to be, but a spiritual gift that's supposed to be used not for your own good, not for some kind of personal use. It says for the common good. God gave gifts to everyone so that when they come together, they can be full and well-balanced. The church is a living organism. It's called the body of Christ in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We all make up a body, but the body, as you go read, it's got this awesome analogy. Like, so the, the, our body has a hand, right? We have hands, we've got arms, we've got a brain, eyes, ears, feet, and, and they all do different jobs, right? And when, when it's not working well, and when it's not working together the way it's supposed to, then we're unhealthy. And we've got to figure out how to get ourselves back to health. It's the same thing with the church. It's a beautiful analogy, because, because if, if we're a church, but we're missing an arm, because you've got a certain gift, but you don't want to come and bring it together to serve at the church, to use it for the common good, then we're unhealthy, Right, And so this puts the accountability on the people. Is, is, is this isn't just some program or presentation or show where the people on the stage are, are here to entertain you and then you can go have your Sunday lunch and then go back to the rest of your, your, the other six days of the week. God designed the church that every person, whether you're in the seat, whether you're on the stage, whether you're cleaning the bathrooms, whether you're serving in kids' church, whether you're preparing the music, whether you're doing... You know, straightening the chairs. I mean, there's so many different things that God has called people to do. And people just need that challenge to say, okay, I'm ready to be involved. What's my gift? What can I do to help the body be healthy? Sometimes we just look at the leadership of the church and we're like, these guys, they ain't got it figured out. I'm going to go somewhere else where they can serve me somewhere else. And the people just keep church hopping over and over and over again, and they never really actually got involved and found their place in the body to be what God called them to be. God didn't design us to be lone rangers. He wants us to fellowship and use our gifts to bless one another and to take his message to the ends of the earth. And so another thing then, giving, the, the, the most uncomfortable thing that is ever talked about in churches is giving, but giving, in reality, is how the church furthers its mission. It's how we operate. It's how we function. This has been happening since the beginning of the church as it started. They would gather together. They would take an offering. They would take an offering every week, Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Every week, put aside a portion of your income so that when he comes, he could gather it all together and he can disperse it to the churches. As they needed, this was a, a spiritual discipline that when people don't do, then we can't get some of the mission done that we need to get done. So I want to talk about quickly the three P's of giving, periodic, proportionate, and painful. You know, sometimes it's got to test your faith a little bit, you know, because money is that one thing that if, if we were to say in priority, you know, as Christians, what's struggling for top priority in our lives Sometimes that's the one that will creep up over, over God, if we're honest. And so some, God is like, will you trust me? Will you trust me with your finances? I, I'm the one who gave you the job and the ability that you have anyway to earn your income. Will you trust me by giving a portion of it back? I'm not asking for all of it, but giving a portion. God challenges us. 
He challenges us. And, and so, you know, this 10% idea, people, it's called a tithe. That's what tithe means is 10%. It's a good goal to get to. Now, is it a command in the New Testament? That's unclear. It certainly was in the Old Testament. It was actually 10% times three. Um, but in the New Testament, it's kind of unclear about how, are we supposed, how much are we supposed to give. It's just that we should give whatever's on our heart. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, since we're excelling in all these different ways, you know, with all these other disciplines, we should also do the, the discipline of giving. In your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. It's, a, it's one of those things, as I talked about, like working out in the gym to have that balanced spiritual life, to have that balanced physique, if you're doing these but not doing this one, maybe it's time to start bringing up where you're lagging in your spiritual disciplines and see what God does in your own life and see what God does with the money that you give and, and to the church. Paul goes on, he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, if you'll, and, and this is one of the only things in the Bible that God says, test me on, but, you know, if you're going to, you know, hold back and, and sow or give sparingly, then don't expect to reap, you know, a harvest of, of, of growth. But if you give in faith and you do it cheerfully, it says that God is able to make all a grace abound to you. We, we, we worry about our money. We worry about our finances. Like, like if I give too much, am I going to not be able to pay a bill or am I going to be missing out? And I, I'll have to say this. I have never missed a single dime that I have given to the church. Never once have I looked back and said, man, I really wish I had all that money. Why? Because God has sustained and provided. Now, I'm not saying that if you give, you're going to become rich and all your problems are going to be solved. No, that is not the truth. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it tests your faith. But I will say that God has always provided for me. I haven't gone hungry and I haven't gone without a roof over my head uh, since trusting the Lord, because he's able. He's the owner of everything. He's, he's the one who gives us everything that we have in the first place. And so he calls us to trust him so that his mission can be spread to the ends of the earth. And that's really the last point, is that Jesus called us to take this message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, in a few points ago in connection, we talked about mentoring as doing it with people inside the church, building relationships one-on-one. -on -one. But this, I would say, is more people outside of the church. Evangelism. We need to go share Jesus with people and bring them into the church. Bring them into the family of faith. Bring them into the kingdom of God. Why? Because God called us to do that. Now, I know it's an uncomfortable thing to do, kind of like giving, kind of like meeting together if you're an introvert. 
kind of like praying, kind of like reading our Bible. All of these things are disciplines. We've got to discipline ourselves to do these things. But when we do, God is good. And we, we fulfill our purpose. And he, he, he does his work through us. And so as a Christian, if you're a Christian here today and you have trusted in Jesus, I hope that you consider the things, the good works that God has called you to do. And most importantly, this last one is to share him with other people. Because without doing that, other people aren't going to hear the gospel and they're going to perish apart from God for eternity. If we say we really love our family members, our friends, and our neighbors, can we, can we ask ourselves this question? Have we taken time to really share the truth with them? I would challenge and say that maybe you haven't loved them as much as you really thought you have if you haven't done this part and given the chance to respond to the grace of God. And I love that last sentence. And be sure of this, I am with you always. I believe that's connected to the Great Commission, to these verses, because he's encouraging us. You don't need to worry about what you're going to say or how you're going to prepare to do this or that thing. You don't need to worry about it. I will be with you when you do it. When you step out in faith, it's going to grow your connection with me. And I've got to tell you, um, I wasn't always a pastor, but I would try to do this and just share the gospel with people, sometimes random strangers. And sometimes I would walk away bawling my eyes out and crying because I felt I knew that God was with me. It was like some crazy supernatural connection where God had, had, had you know, a d- divine intervention is what we call it, where God had provided this, this opportunity for us to come together so I could share this message And they don't always trust and believe, but along the way, God is sustaining me. And it's such a beautiful feeling. Maybe a lot of you are missing out on this one. I want to challenge you. Let's go. Let's leave here today and make a plan to start working out. To start working out our faith so that you can be blessed, the church can be blessed, and the people who don't know Jesus can come to know him. Would you guys pray with me? Father, again, thank you. Thank you for just not just leaving us here with, you know, without a plan and not knowing what to do. You've given us a way to know you, to love you, to become more like you. I pray that you would take our good works as a sacrifice, as, as a pleasing aroma, knowing that we're, we're saved by your grace alone, but that this is our way of loving you back. So God, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. Be with us as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.